0: strategy would be to help empower your child with choices when you can, mm, yeah. because that's going to feel more fair to them. Do you want the green grapes? Do you want the red grapes? Do you want apples or bananas? Like something yeah. that they get to exercise.
1: Hey everyone. My name is Brandon Jones and we're here with another Family Care Learning podcast. Today I have with me Katie. Katie is an intern Mm -hmm. with our counseling group here at Arizona Family Counseling and Christian Family Care and she is a family coach and Mm -hmm. so she provides psychoeducation to families that are uh, providing foster care and adoption with uh, children. And today we are talking about Tantrums. 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 Everybody's uh, got them, right? Every everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone, adults, kids. We all have tantrums. Yes. Um, and so we're, we're going to look at kind of these two kinds of tantrums and really understanding what the origins are mm-hmm. of these meltdowns and how that can help us as as parents deal with them when we see them in our children or maybe even spouses or love other loved ones that are in a tantrum.
0: Yeah. Uh, tantrums are very stressful when you're experiencing them. They're also very stressful to be around someone who yes. is experiencing a tantrum. So um, having more of a background knowledge can help you feel more in control of the situation, which feels yeah. very out of control and can help you change your reaction to yeah. that. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, so I'll, little disclosure here. I have, I have a bunch of little ones at my house Mm -hmm. and sometimes they get a little dysregulated and, um, right. Like I'm a therapist. Mm -hmm. And so we talk a lot about therapy stuff sometimes in my house. Um, but even still, there are times when my wife and I will kind of go, all right, is this, is is our child meaning to do this? Mm. Um, Like, are they intentionally to do this, trying to control a situation? I think one of the ways that oftentimes I hear other uh, parents ask me, whether in therapy or family coaching, is kind of like, are they doing this to manipulate the situation? And Mm. so what are your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, well, um, my first thought would be is that Manipulation is a very strong word, it has a negative emotional connotation, yeah. which um, you know, really what they're asking is kind of more of like, is this an intentional act to achieve a purpose? Yeah. Which in some cases it may be. Okay. Um, you know, we all do intentional things to achieve our purposes, but if as an adult I did something and, you know, that intentional thing was coded as manipulation, that would have a certain meaning versus like, I problem solved. So yeah, sometimes kids can use tantrums as a problem solving technique where if I raise my voice, you're going to back down and then I'm going to get what I want. That is possible. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of also important to keep in mind that other tantrums can actually be a survival response for trauma. Um, and to really, um, able to tell the difference because your response is going to make a difference of, um, whether you see a peaceful outcome of that or maybe not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's super interesting, right? So there's some tantrums or these kind of that have intentionality or kind of direction, but then some that are survival response. So what, what is the difference between those two?
0: Yeah. So just a little bit of background. What I'm going to be talking about today is from integrative parenting by Deborah Wesselman, Kathy Schweitzer and Stephanie Armstrong. Okay. And, um, it's really important to kind of have a background in the knowledge of the brain and how our brains work. And so, um, look, a couple of basics Um, we have many parts of our brain, but our most basic part is our brain stem. This is the lower part of our brain that is responsible for all of our survival functions of breathing, our heart, the most important stuff that you really don't want to be having to think about to keep it going.
1: Um,
0: and it's also really related to our ability to react to things that you wouldn't plan for. Um, so that's where your fight flight freeze response is going to come in. Um, skipping up to your frontal brain, that's going to be where, um, you have more of the higher functions of logic, learning, problem solving, planning. Um, and these are functions that actually develop across your lifespan. Um, and may even be underdeveloped in kids who may have had more traumatic experiences, less care, more neglect, Um, and so that's basically the difference between what you would call a problem solving upstairs brain tantrum or more of a lower brain survival response downstairs brain tantrum.
1: Okay. And so the upper brain problem solving is that That tantrum that's going, I'm going to intentionally do something to get what I, what I want or advocate for my needs or to get away from something that I'm perceiving as threatening. Yeah. But I'm still in, you're in control in the upstairs. Yes. Yeah.
0: So a lot more um, control. Basically the idea is when you're a kid and you're having the upstairs meltdown, you're thinking to yourself, My want is what I need. I am going to get what I need. And (laughs) so um, there is a a level of control in that circumstance um, because they're trying to achieve their goal uh, through the meltdown. But in a downstairs meltdown, that would be where a child has really lost control. And it's a scary experience for them. Um, And that's where the reaction to what kind of tantrum you're dealing with is really important.
1: So thinking about that, is there a parent kind of looking on the outside? Is there any kind of significant ways that you can tell if it's an upstairs kind of brain tantrum or a downstairs brain tantrum? Um, How would you discern that?
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have any concrete signs. Although I have yeah. had parents tell me that they think that they can tell as yeah. soon as I've told them there are yeah. two different kinds. They think, Oh yeah, I think I've noticed that.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: Um, it could be something noticing maybe how a kid's eye contact may have changed. Yeah. Um, if they're either giving really intense eye contact, or if they're refusing to look at you, that could be an indication that something has changed versus more of like a casual social eye contact, which we would be used to.
1: Um, That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Sorry. But even thinking about like, right, that upstairs part of our brain, oftentimes the social interactions that come from that, right? Like Mm -hmm. the, uh, the um, mirror, mirror neurons, kind of that I'm responding where if you're in a lower part of your brain I'm assuming mm-hmm. that top part is shut off then. Yeah. Right. And so then it's kind of going, okay, all of those things that you would typically see happening because of the upstairs brain, like the, the social interactions, if those aren't happening the normal way that they are, it's probably because it's an adventure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean also <laughs> um if they are, in a lower downstairs brain, all of those other functions of the upstairs brain are probably also not happening, right? Like, you yes. mentioned like logic, reasoning, those types of things. And so would you typically see in a, a, a downstairs brain tantrum, the logic and reasoning? Like, no, Yeah. So that's yeah. why
0: it's really important to be able to distinguish if you are observing yeah. a, a downstairs brain meltdown, because oftentimes we're trying to reason with someone <laughs> yeah. who oh, is man. Yeah, yeah. being unreasonable, which yeah. is a normal, I think, reaction to that kind of a circumstance. However, once you, and you know, maybe de- depending on your skill and um, depending on how often this happens, you might get to a point where you're like, okay, obviously talking is not solving anything. Yes. But sometimes people are like, well, I'll just keep talking. Like yeah. if I just keep reasoning, Eventually it will get through. Yeah. Um, But if it is one of those meltdowns, there really isn't a point during that meltdown that that's going to change. You know, you may even be keeping it going by trying to reason with them during that time. Cause you're kind of continuing that sense of threat perhaps Mm -hmm. with maybe some in the yelling to make yourself heard over their yelling, whatever it could be. So that might be a downside
1: there and it's so interesting even just connecting that with my just personal experience last night, dinner time, we were a little bit later getting Mm -hmm. to dinner. And one of my, one of my little guys, um, was kind of dysregulated and, and even, you know, I'm serving up the food for each one of them. Right. And it was, uh, his his turn and so i'm going give me your plate mm-hmm. but he's he's not responding to me right mm-hmm. he's kind of ignoring me or whatever and it's one of those things that's so interesting because it's going, Okay, well, I'm gonna um, apply logic or, or reasoning at this time, right? And it didn't work with him in yeah. that time. In fact, he continued to kind of de-escalate or escalate right in 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 the the kind of he just was not very calm and he ended up kind of throwing a fit and yeah. and we ended up kinda of walking out of the room together to kind of regulate. But it's interesting how many times even in there, my wife and I were trying to use reasoning mm-hmm. to kind of, Hey, I remember if you just give me this, then I'm going to get you this. And yeah. it was like, but he was already dysregulated yeah. or not calm in mm-hmm. that time. And so it's just so interesting how quickly we can miss miss it and kind yeah. of use reasoning.
0: And I them. think that's a great example because even something as simple, if you give me my, your plate, I will give you food, yeah. you know, for yeah. an adult, you know, seems very like, a plus B equals C. What right. is the problem right. here? And, you know, I'm not saying that your son didn't believe that, but obviously right. something else was going on, which is what you guys yeah. figured out. Um, yeah. To get to the place where passing a plate didn't feel like an impossible task.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the thinking, let's let's kind of go back let's first start with like an upstairs brain uh, tantrum. Mm -hmm. What, what advice do you have as far as if you see, if parents see a child, if you're out there and you're kind of going, okay, I I think this seems to be an upstairs brain. My, my child is still has some reasoning. He's reasoning with me or she's Mm -hmm. reasoning with me in logic. What, what might be some things that a parent can do to respond to an upstairs brain tantrum?
0: Yeah. So One of the main um, approaches from integrative parenting is that we're specifically working with kids who have experienced trauma and they have come from more difficult places where actually throwing a tantrum was pretty smart because that's how they got their needs met. Hmm. But oftentimes when a loving parent is taking them in and they're getting this disruptive behavior, they're like, this is unacceptable Sure, it could be unacceptable, but why would they know that? They have had no opportunity, no structure in which to use an acceptable behavior. So basically, that would be the first place to start is pre-teaching. So you don't wait until the tantrum has started. You anticipate, okay, going to the grocery store, you're going to want a candy. I'm not going to want to buy you a candy. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, Honey, this time we're going to the grocery store. You might notice some candies that you might want. Um, we're going to buy grapes or whatever other thing that yeah. you are, you know, their appropriate food that you would like for them to have. Um, you basically explain it in advance, tell them how you would like them to respond. You're teaching them how to act in these upcoming mm-hmm. scenarios before they occur. Um, and so prevention would be the best yes. technique. Yeah. Um, Second recommendation would be is to have a plan for specific challenging situations and that could just be being ready to leave. So back to the same grocery store example, right. if that um, were to occur and, you know, we already agreed we're not doing the candy thing, still have a tantrum about not getting the candy, um, it, your plan could be. I'm going to calmly continue my transaction. It could be, I'm going to leave my shopping cart behind, whatever it is, but kind of having your own um, strategy of this is how I'm gonna deal with this when it goes south, Mm. that can help you feel more in control versus kind of being surprised by a tantrum.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, of course, another key um, strategy would be to help empower your child with choices when Mm. you can. Yeah because that's going to feel more fair to them. So, you know, kind of going back to the, suppose you prefer them to have grapes, you can say, well, you can pick, do you want the green grapes? Do you want the red grapes? Do you want apples or bananas? Like something yeah. that they get to exercise their own will on. The candy is still off the table, but they do get to participate in the rest of the proposed activity.
1: Mm, I love those. Yeah. yeah. So prevention plan and empower. Like I, I even thinking about with my own little ones that have a hard time staying calm or they're, they tend to throw fits because of their past experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I th- I, this is gold. Yeah. Um, in of, uh, that, that ounce of prevention Mm -hmm. versus a pound of cure kind of thing. Right. The prevention piece of that is just Mm -hmm. so helpful in helping them prepare and navigating a situation.
0: Yeah. Um, And the last part for the upstairs meltdown would be, is to make sure that you are not reinforcing their learning Mm. by after you pre-teach, after you have a plan, after you have an empower. The child with choices and then they throw a tantrum and then you're like, oh, well, we'll just do the candy because oh, you know, I yeah. can't stand you screaming. So I will give you whatever you want. So you start sc- stop screaming. Yeah. You taught them that that problem solving technique works. Mm. So you have to make sure that you don't reward the meltdown. You got to yeah. stick to your guns, you know, be reasonable, you know, but um, not reward the meltdown.
1: So you heard it here. Right. Stay strong. <laughs> Don't give into the meltdown. Yeah. They eventually will stop melting down. Right. I, I still have not mm-hmm. met a family where their child is in a constant state of meltdown in throwing this external tantrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they will get through it. And so kind of being that steadfast parent that's going, no, this is the limit when it comes to with the candy thing.
0: Yeah. Stay
1: strong. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Also keeping in mind that, you know, your expectation is that you are meeting their needs. Yeah. You're just there when you come to that place where you do have to set a limit that that is a limit. It's a real limit.
1: Yeah. So prevention plan, empowering them to uh, make choices or ask for compromises or negotiation within within the limits still. But then stay strong. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't, don't give in. Yeah. Those are great. Thank you so much. Um, so then thinking about how how are there different ways to kind of respond with the downstairs brain tantrum?
0: Yes. And so those, that response is much more involved, um, because of, um, what has been observed of different phases during a downstairs meltdown. Okay. Um, essentially, um, Three different phases of acting out, okay, um, in panic, and then acting in words with shame, and then the last phase would be seeking repair and reconnection, okay, um, from the experience of the meltdown, okay, and um, so it kind of helps to think about these phases about how you would react to each phase, yeah. Um, So these would probably be more of the tantrums that you see last for like hours. Okay. Um, And you may observe that you can also see these different stages passing, but you kind of just thought phase one, the acting out phase was the tantrum itself without necessarily thinking about the other two phases.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But in the first phase, which is the typically fairly identifiable acting out phase panic Um, in this phase, the child's brain is stuck where they are, um, flashing between the past and the present. Okay. So, you know, when you're having an unreasonable tantrum that's like, why would you have a problem with this situation? Chances are it is going back to a past experience. And that is when the survival brain is activated. Um, a child may be verbally physically out of control,
1: yeah,
0: um, or maybe completely shut down because okay. that is another way of reacting of kind of going in inside. And during this phase, um, a child really can't tolerate touch, especially because they are in their downstairs brain, their survival brain They're yeah. If you touch me, you're probably trying to hurt me.
1: Yes. Um,
0: so this would be a really important reminder for parents of when you're in this first phase, don't try to give a calming yeah. touch. Um, you will probably get a smack in return <laughs> because they didn't want to be touched. And that is um, how they're reacting to it.
1: And thank you for that point. I even thinking about just last night with my little guy and uh, so he was not responding to me. Right. And so I think like thinking about it, right, it was maybe kind of a shutdown at first, Mm. but it eventually kind of got to the point where. He was a little overstimulated, kind of pushed, and then he kind of acted out. And mm, so he started mm-hmm. so he and I, we walked to the room, right, and he's just just yelling. It out. And I mean he's got veins popping out of his head and neck, mm. just really, really upset. And it's so interesting as a dad, right? Like I want I I know this. Mm-hmm. And yet there's still so many times I want to reach out and just try. Yeah. And then sure. he like arches his back <laughs> and is like, no. Escape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it's so interesting, right? Like even knowing that, I think and any of you out there that have kind of witnessed that kind of experience, it's hard to not take it personal sometimes yeah. because it's going.
0: You don't want me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love you. I want to calm you down. And you're acting as if I'm hurting you. Mm-hmm. And it, it it kind of gets at it you. can get under your skin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But to kind of, if if we're holding on to this rule of kind of going, okay, just wait. There's yeah. a time for the touching and calming, but in that acting out phase, probably let's, not. Let's 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 give it a little space. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: So a parent's reaction would definitely be to preferably create a wider boundary. So you're giving them their space.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, if it is one of those multiple hour type tantrums, you don't want to leave them. You would, it would be better if you could stay with them or you can tag team with a partner. So you can switch uh, out if it's getting to be a little bit much for you, you're staying nearby and checking in with a calm voice yeah. saying messages. So like, I'm here for you. I love you. Um, also, it's important to, use some um, self-talk to reassure yourself of being like, this is a reaction to the past, yes. not to me. Yeah, And um, focus on one moment at a time, making sure that the goal is to prevent injuries or property destruction if it's getting to that point too.
1: Right, right. Oh, those, those are such, and so these are all the things to kind of keep in mind in this acting out phase. Yes. Great. Right, no. And so then the next phase is like an acting in. Yes. So what's, so what's that about?
0: That's where there's a little bit more conscious awareness, but it's still more focused on the emotional pain, the shame that comes mm. with this very scary, very out of control experience. Yeah. And so the child's brain is still stuck. Oftentimes this is going to be where negative beliefs come out. So you may be hearing things like I'm just a bad kid or you just hate me, you know, whatever negative belief that is causing a lot of pain. Yeah. That's this, you may notice this during this phase, uh, the overwhelming emotions are still present. Um, you may be getting a mixed reaction of pushing away and reaching towards, um, during this part. And then, um, there's going to be some more fear of rejection of, what's going to happen to me now that I've just done this and they may or may not tolerate touch at this point, depending on how strongly they're reacting in this phase.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Just as you're thinking about this fresh situation <laughs> last night, right? Like I m- remember he started becoming a little bit more verbal and, mm-hmm. and his, his thing last night was, a. You don't love me. You don't Mm -hmm. love me. Right. And so it's interesting because even with that, there's times where you want to kind of like argue. Yeah. yeah." And reason like, Oh, I don't love you. (gasps) What about, right. I just give you this. Yeah. 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 And, and it's like, and I, I, I'm sitting with you here for the last half an hour, like listening to your tantrum, and now you're saying you don't love me. What? Yeah. Right? But that's not registering for mm-hmm. him. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, and it's so interesting. The um, there have been times in that that acting in where I've noticed if he's starting to calm down, right? So he's no longer like externalizing this, yeah. but if he's not quite regulated, even if I get up and like start to walk out, mm-hmm. there's times where he's considered that rejection mm-hmm. all of a sudden. And and so there's literally been times where I'm like, all right, let's go eat. Yeah. And I start getting up to walk out and he's like, what? <gasps> Don't leave me. Don't mm-hmm. leave me. Right. And it's like, wow, you are still in, in that moment, in that moment. Yeah. Um, there's still this, non-calm dysregulation, you're just not externalizing it. Now it's Mm -hmm. kind of this acting in. And so it just makes it so clear to see that, like, yeah, yeah. Um, So
0: for a parent's reaction during this phase, still trying to be attuned. So like, you know, you're even saying that you notice when you do something, this causes X, Y, Z reaction. So really paying attention to how your child is responding. It may help to move closer, but Mm -hmm. it might not. Um, Still continuing with the reassuring messages of love and safety.
1: Yeah.
0: And you may try some grounding um, with, you know, can you name me three red things in this room? Um, Can you feel your feet on the floor? You're trying to help them get back to standing in the present versus being stuck in that painful feeling from the past. Yeah. Um, And it's better to be kind of consistent during this phase versus doing the switching out. Unless you really... Need to switch out. You're like, I'm yeah. at it, right? Okay. Yeah. If
1: you're at your your limit, your limit, always check out. Yeah. But if you can hang on there, with that, that might help mm-hmm. calm them down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Which brings us to the final phase, which is the repair phase, and this is when a child's brain has finally become unstuck. They're finally back in the present. the The shame and anxiety is really still there. Of what's going to happen to me now. They probably can tolerate physical touch. They might want the yeah. touch. And they need to connect physically and emotionally at this phase. Yeah.
1: So it's it's so interesting again. This is <laughs> like play by, about, by play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, were you watching me last night? You're just like <laughs> peeking through the window, like describing the uh the situation. But it was interesting cause he's acting out, right, screaming and I'm just kind of laying, we're kind of both on the bed and I'm just kind of on one end, he's on the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for him, it's like, I notice this like as he's screaming this kind of like he'll calm down and he'll do this breath thing where he goes <gasps> yeah. like that as he like stops crying a mm-hmm. little bit and he's trying his body's starting to regulate himself mm-hmm. a little bit. And, um, it it's so interesting because during that time there is like this, this, exactly what you said a push pull of like I want to come to you, but the shame about all of this keeps me from not wanting to come to you. Yeah, um, and, and and it's so interesting. I see it in his little body as mm-hmm. he's kind of like he'll kind of allow me to touch him a little bit, and then there's times where it's like. When he's more calm, when I can kind of slowly pull him in and he doesn't fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just such an interesting thing in this repair phase. And so what what kind of things in the, when you're moving towards the repair phase, What what kind of things do you have for parents as far as that phase?
0: Yeah, so definitely trying to increase physical touch as tolerated would yeah. be a good way of going about it whether that could be just putting a calm hand or doing a little back rub, um, holding a hand could also be helpful and, um, making sure that you're continuing those messages of reassurance and affection. Yeah. Um, because that's going to be what kind of counteracts the problem that you, um, saw come out in the shame phase. Yeah. Um, and was kind of, underneath the acting out phase too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting that those, those beliefs or thoughts about either my love for my son, or sometimes when he's a little mad at me from a limit, I set. sometimes it's, uh, mom's love or God's love mm-hmm. and, and that you are loved this whole time and it's so interesting when when you'll say that and all of a sudden they'll react differently it's almost like they receive it a little bit more when mm-hmm. they're a little calmer and so again for those of you out there that have are experiencing this um, we are there with you don't give up and, and continue to be faithful in those messages like you're saying as far as over and over just those positive messages about the commitment and love. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. Perfect. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Katie. Thank you. For for sharing this information. And for those of you out there that are going, uh so this information really is is general, right? And so this is kind of principled information that we oftentimes guide our our uh, recommendations. But if you're struggling with your loved ones, your children out there, uh Christian family care has a counseling department and a family coaching department Mm -hmm. that they have this information and they would love to work with you individually to support you as you support your child. We know it's rough. And so Mm -hmm. we have a team of therapists and family coaches that are waiting. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Family Care Learning Podcast. If you found this content helpful or encouraging, please click that subscribe button and give us a review or share this with other families that might enjoy this type of content. Just a reminder, we have the full video of this podcast on our YouTube channel. And if you're a foster parent that needs continuing education credits, you can check us out at familycarelearning.org, where we have an entire catalog of foster care training courses. Family Care Learning is made possible by the donations from listeners like you. If you wish to support the work we do in strengthening families, feel free to make a tax-deductible donation at familycarelearning.org. Thank you.